Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with my good friends Nick and Ashley of Black Forge Coffee House. If you are one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today on the show, we got my friend Jake Stern of the band Meridian and Jake Stern of the band The Otis Wolves, as well as Jake Stern of the band Same. For those of you who don't know Jake Stern, he plays in a lot of bands and does a lot of cool stuff and is a really fun guy to talk to. I think you're really going to like this episode if you're into uh, stories of DIY culture, growing up with talented people and making music with your friends and moving to new cities and exploring life. That's that's what I'm going to say this episode's about. But, hey, it's a conversation with Jake Stern. So how about I just shut up and we just get into it. You already know it's going to be tight. So I'll just shut up. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. All right, so let's see. Let's let's start this off with a uh, hi, Jake. Hello, hi, Brian. Hey, good to have <laughs> you here. Now, it seems like every time, how many bands are you in? I think that you're kind of involved in a lot of things, and I kind of want to get want to cover the groundwork because I honestly have no idea. Yeah, um, so I play in two bands in Pittsburgh, uh, the Otis Wolves and Same. And then uh, I play in another band that's based out of Cleveland. They were my first band, Meridian. Um, Are you from Cleveland? Yeah, so I'm from Cleveland originally. Um, Yeah, started that band with my brother, Max. And then uh, moved to Pittsburgh, and uh, me and another Max, Max Bulger, um, started the Otis Wolves. And then... uh, Did you know... Max from the old Otis Wolves from Meridian and like playing shows. How'd you meet Max? Yeah, so I met Max Bulger. There's so many Maxes in my life. It's, it's, I will You're try to. Out. I will use. A la- wow, nice. <laughs> I'll I'll try to use last names as much as I can. <laughs> so my brother Max Stern met Max Bulger because Max Bulger used to run Two 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 Ormsby. Yeah, and um, my brother's band uh, Signals Midwest. Oh, okay. A band that's separate from Meridian. Yeah. Um, uh, they played their first out of town show over at Two 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 Ormsby. Okay. Um, so they started up a relationship, and then I ended up moving to Pittsburgh for school. Um, and I had met uh Max from Ormsby, 
um, a couple times. Like Meridian had played a show there or something before I came to Pittsburgh. And then we started hanging out when I was a freshman in college and just kind of our relationship sure. blossomed from there. And now I live with them. So <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So how long have you been in Pittsburgh then? I've been in, he- I've been here about four years. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So and you're still playing in the band that's in Cleveland as well? Yeah. Yeah. We're fairly – we don't do too much, and then we do a whole lot. It's it's tough because um, my brother has Signals Midwest as well, and so he gets real busy with them. Um, and then our bass player, Steve, also plays in Signals. Okay. Um, other guitar players in another band, couple bands, so he's got a lot going what on. What the hell is up with – us. I'm going to say us because I play in a few things as well. Yeah. And we both know a lot of people that play in multiple bands. Yeah. What the fuck is up with that? What the hell is our problem? Yeah, like why do we do it to ourselves? Yeah, do you ever feel like we're like kind of fucking ourselves over? Yeah, fully. In some sort of way? Like we're we're saturating the market even more <laughs> because we can't just all settle down and be in one fucking project. Yeah, totally. Now, I'm not familiar with meridian mm-hmm. and i'm somewhat familiar with otis wolves and the same stuff is awesome so but it's all kind of like rock ish you know like i yeah. however you want to subgenre it from there right but uh so have you always been into playing rock music or were you like ever interested in doing anything else like what, what kind of shit are you into <laughs> outside of what you make yeah so um uh so I guess yeah all the bands I play in now are definitely under the rock category. When Meridian first started, it was very uh folky. Okay. Um, it was really just kind of an acoustic project. Um we were me and my brother listened to a ton of the Avit brothers and we just like yeah, just really wanted to get into songwriting in that way. But then yeah, we just kind of st- I started picking up more electric instruments and really all my projects then were rocky from there. As for playing other types of music, I um, I don't know, not not really too much else. I mean, I love I love so many types of music. Like I love hip hop. I, you know, I don't even know. I, I listen to I listen to a lot of different stuff. But yeah, I guess you I've don't only feel been... like compelled as a creator to try to rap or to try to I do. Wish. Something else outside of, you know, what you're doing now. No, you know, I, I have, I've got dreams, Brian. (laughs) I've had, I've had, I've had, talk about dreams. Yeah, I've had dreams of, uh, like making really smooth, jazzy hip hop beats and, oh, and actually, like, what I've thought would be cool is like cutting up, um, pieces of like really pretty, like, like kind of like twinkly emo songs or like yeah just like parts of like indie rock songs sure. that are just like really really beautiful and you know putting you know some heavy kick and whatnot and sure do you have really any beats. any like exper or not experiment experience with like producing beats or would this just be like a full nosedive into something new yeah this would be a full nosedive i i understand basic recording and like garage band for making like scratch tracks and stuff like sure. that. But so you still have friends back home that you still get to like hang out with and stuff like that. But what was the transition like? I guess cause kinda as you're getting caught up just getting 
new into playing shows and meeting all these new people. It's kind of around the same time that you're moving away from home into a new city, going to a new school, just kind of like a whole lot of new at once. Yeah, certainly. And um, I'm kind of thinking back to that shift that you had mentioned earlier. I don't know if it'll be captured on here, but uh, but yeah, you were talking about how um, once you started playing in music, you just kind of like got on this train and kind of forgot about you know, the, you're just disconnected from a lot of the people. Yeah, it was so weird. Before. Like, when, yeah. yeah, whenever I started playing music and playing shows, it was like nobody that I was homies with in high school cared. Yeah. Like, they might have came out to like one or two shows and then, like, that was it. Yeah. Like, completely, like, they could not give a shit less. <laughs> and it was, seemed so wild to me, too, because like, we all loved music. We all, like, we made like joke rap songs together. Yeah. Some of like my first songs ever. Yeah. Like, Part of the reason why I even got into like making beats to begin with was to make beats so we could like do songs about big fat titties on top of them <laughs> and shit like that yeah. in high school. But like, yeah, once I actually started doing it for real, I guess everybody kind of had their own thing too, right? Going on, but yeah, yeah, I kind of experienced a similar thing. Like when I was in, I think it was my sophomore year of college was when I really started. Uh, take music really really seriously and realize that it was going to be a massive priority in my life i think there was kind of a shift just like i got introduced to all these people in the local pittsburgh music scene and my friend group did yeah just like drastically change and i just found myself really immersed in this community oh sure yeah it was i think it's pretty cool to whenever something is new and fresh you're like no matter what it is, you get, like, really fucking excited about it, you know? Yeah. And it seemed like you kind of were in a position where you knew the right people in a city that was doing a lot of stuff, and you kind of just had that outlet to just hit the ground running. Yeah, just jump into it. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh, around that time, I mean, Pittsburgh still has a lot going on now, but I'm just thinking back to... Like, there was a time when just so many, like, houses were popping up that uh -huh. were doing shows, and, like... It was, it was just, insane. It yeah, was like, it was really like crazy. one year of just <laughs> insanity. I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah, madness. Everybody's I, like, we got a show this weekend. Where at? At, you know, Casa de Strange Ways. I'm like, what the fuck <laughs> is that? Right. Are you guys up here in Troy Hill? You guys had the Harry Debbie's House of Tacos. That was before I lived up here. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I, I knew nothing about that one, but it sounds great. Yeah, I never even went there. I went there, <laughs> like, a couple months ago. They don't do shows anymore, but... Okay. Yeah, I walked in the house, and they just have, like, so many, so much gear and, like, a pinball machine and a, every game you could ever imagine, and pretty neat place. Sounds tight. Were yeah. there tacos? No, no what tacos the to be all found. About them? Yeah, I don't know. I have to find who the fuck runs that place and ask him what yeah. the fuck's up with the tacos. Listen, listen. we need tacos. <laughs> yeah, don't be telling me this is a house of tacos. <laughs> right, I don't see any tacos. Bullshit. Watch, I'm going to get Ricky. Ricky Petticord from yours lives there, and he's going to be oh, okay. angry that at this conversation. Why? Because he doesn't have tacos Yeah, because we're call calling him out on his lack of tacos. <laughs> <laughs> Ricky, come on the show. You got some shit to talk about. Taco Bell. We're, we're going to talk about tacos.
Yeah. Talking tacos. <laughs> <laughs> I used to live at one of those houses. I lived at Bates Hardcore Gym for a mm, while. Yeah. Shows. I was bummed I never got to play there. But oh, I did yeah. I did I did go to a couple of shows there. Yeah, that place was that was a really cool spot. I liked it a lot. Very conducive for we were actually shows. there. We were booked on a show that was there right around the time that everything got like st- shut down. Yeah. So I was like, "Cool, gonna get the play." And then like, nope. But that was another flash in the pan. You know, that right. was only a summer, maybe. Right. How long were they? They were they were around for I think like almost a year to date. Okay, and then yeah, and then it got shut down. Yeah, but it, yeah, so it still wasn't long. You mm-hmm. know. But oh, that place had promise. I wish it. I wish it had stuck around. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Yeah. Everything. Ugh. Yeah. But that's kind of like an interesting problem with um, social media and right. posting shit. You know, you really have no idea who is seeing the stuff that you're putting out there. Yeah, certainly. It goes. It surpasses so much, like the uh, engagement that you get on your post. It's like right. you might be like, oh, this song that i posted only got five likes but that doesn't mean that only five people saw it or that only five people listened to it it's really easy to kind of maybe maybe not for you but for me it could be really easy to like beat yourself up over that kind of shit like when you're trying to you know you get distracted with social media and trying to promote your band slash bands (laughs) because we all can't just focus on one damn thing and uh yeah so you agree with that you, yeah you feel, certainly and yeah. it it sucks and now facebook wants to you know get you to pay money so you can have more of that satisfaction of people seeing it sure you know dump money into facebook i would gladly dump money in the facebook if it worked but yeah, i still it, feel like it doesn't i feel like it's it, it's a it's a game like it's it increases your visibility a little bit but it doesn't really change anything you know no. We've had, like, luck with just, like, releasing new music videos and stuff with our band and just, you know, getting, like, a core group of our close friends. Like, hey, just share this. Right. And then it spreads out and it does fine. It does as fine as any promoted post would do. I mean, great. And I'm sure that if we were to throw, like, 50, 100 bucks on some Facebook post. But it's like... Yeah, who wants to do that? You we know? can like use that for gas to drive to a sweet show. Yeah. It's gonna mean way more than getting like a Facebook post, some likes or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, so you've been playing in bands like ever since. Like, this has been a thing since you've been playing in bands. Basically, like Facebook and paying for promotion. Blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. Um. I'm kind of curious, like, whenever you got to that point, do you handle a lot of the business stuff with your bands? Yeah, yeah. With um, with the Otis Wolves and Sam, I do, yeah, pretty much all of, like, the managing and, okay. and all of that. Luckily, with Meridian, my brother handles a lot of that, so I'm not, you know. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so overwhelmed. Sure. Okay, yeah. um, so the reason why I was asking that was just from your perspective now, Whenever, uh, you know, you get the band together and, you know, you make your Facebook page or whatever, your your Twitter page or your Instagram account or blah, blah, blah. I mean, did you have this mindset, like, from the gate that, like, oh, like, we're going to need to 
pay for promoting promoting stuff and like or was there like this innocence in it or did you already know like I don't know how to word this question properly. No, I I think I get I think I get it though. (laughs) No, with Meridian, um, we were pretty like wide eyed with you know all of that stuff and it was kind of I think when Meridian started like you know really harnessing the power of social media or at least trying to they i think um like promoting posts and stuff started like a couple months afterwards sure so like i think we gave it a little shot and then kind of realized it didn't work otis wolves did the same thing and or but just to a lesser extent, and now with Sam, we were just like, all right, we're, our Facebook is just like a parking page. We really don't want to have, <laughs> don't want to do too much here. The um, okay, so of course now I thought of a better way to word the fucking question that I was trying yeah. to say. But so, did you already have some sort of uh, you had like knowledge and experience with social media prior to making a band page? Yeah, yeah. Whereas, like, with me, I only started using social media, like, in the MySpace days because you could have a band page on there. Right. It wasn't even, like, having your own personal account, like, was, like, oh, you could do it. It wasn't really a a thing. Like, it wasn't – didn't appeal to me. So I'm, like, always kind of curious to, like – think about it from the opposite perspective of kind of like growing up through school with social media being a thing. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Of course I'm going to make this band page and already having the experience of how it works. Kind of. Whereas like with me and some other old farts, it was probably just like, what is this thing? Okay. I'll do this. Cause I can put my music on here. Yeah. But yeah, I think that certainly helped. I mean, it, definitely smoothed over the process of trying to create effective pages and all that for for my bands but i don't know i think regardless of how we got there we're both kind of in the same boat now where we're just getting (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's tough it's It's, tough out here mm -hmm. it's hard it's hard there's a lot of bands a lot of bands because we're all in four bands (laughs) uh so what do you enjoy the most out of all of this like what why are you doing this you know is it just to play shows and make friends is it just to write music and or just be super cool and say you're in a band <laughs> like there's kind of like a mixture of all of that like what what keeps you going what drives you to be in three bands on top of school you still in school no i'm not i'm done with school okay, but you, i work full time and working yeah. also working and being in three bands yeah. and whatever else you got going on right maybe a significant other or something like that oh, you yes you you got that going oh, on yes okay so there there you go that's another like yeah responsibility yeah yeah totally and so yeah i don't know so what keeps me going i mean Certainly the process of writing music. Um, I think what I've really enjoyed um, with my most recent project, same, what's been really fun is just like the, it's been an incredibly collaborative writing process with Otis Wolves and Meridian. Like obviously we all, you know, write our own parts and everything, but there's really kind of 
uh, principal songwriter who, sure. you know, brings the shells of the song and we all kind of write around it. Um, with Same, it's been a lot of just kind of, you know, jamming out ideas and just, you know, uh, very collaborative structure or forming of the song. Um, and that's been really cool. And I really, really have come to love that process, which is, okay, so a big reason why I do it. On top of that, I'd say probably the biggest reason is uh, touring and meeting people. Um, yeah, I, just like from the first time that I went out on tour, um, I just knew that it was something that I was really that I was really going to love. I've always loved traveling. I got that from my mom, and just yeah, just all the wacky experiences and all the people you meet, like. Touring is so cool because you just instantly get tapped into this um, subculture in every single city you go to. And, you know, music has allowed you to do that. And there's not many other things that would allow you to, you know, go to a city and already have, you know, all of these potential friends lined up for you to hang out sure. with and, you know, share music with. Or to, like, go to a city you've never been to before and like have tour guides for like the underground culture of that city just like waiting for you. Yeah, exactly. People really eager to show you all their favorite things in the city. Yeah. And that's yeah, I mean that's something really really special. I hate whenever I just kind of cuz I I go out of town a good bit for shows or sometimes just for pleasure. I like just seeing places I've never been. Yeah. But anytime I'm just by myself and kind of going places, you know, you get stuck like, oh, okay, well, there's a lot of Starbucks around, and uh, where is it? Is there a record store somewhere? <laughs> That's kind of just like where I'm at, you know? Yeah. It's, But it's a lot cooler when, like, you know, you're, you automatically get to drive into a city, and, like, these half the venues you play aren't going to show up on, like, some list of things to do in the city or something like that right. if you were to Google it. Now, with touring and you and uh all of your projects mm. you know do you have a hard time juggling all that stuff like uh like schedule conflicts yeah uh certainly schedule conflicts um i mean i guess it doesn't even necessarily have to be a thing with touring but just right. in general yeah just in general i mean it's tough just you know scheduling a lot of band practices oh and, yeah and arranging you know gigs around each other and with Meridian, like, when we have shows booked or really if we have anything planned, like, I'll have to coordinate trips back to Cleveland for rehearsals and, you know, going back there for gigs if it's a local gig there and something. Yeah, a lot of coordinate, a lot of coordination. <laughs> it's kind of a pain in the butt, but it's, you know, it's what you got to do, though, you know? Now, how would you, like, con contrast, like, the like Pittsburgh DIY scene with like Cleveland DIY. Cause I think those are probably two cities that you have a good, uh, relate, like a good relationship and experience with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Cleveland's not far away. No, certainly not. But I don't, I don't meet too many bands from Cleveland unless I'm playing there. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like what, what's it like? I have no idea. I have no grasp on, the, the scene there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting, like, because Cleveland's a bigger city than Pittsburgh, but for for whatever reason, I think it has a, kind of a smaller music scene than Pittsburgh. Um, 
what I guess what I've kind of noticed is that Pittsburgh seems to have uh, at least somewhat of a younger scene. Like there's certainly a lot oh. of certainly a lot of people that have been that are like Pittsburgh scene I'm lifers. Pretty sure every time I've played in Cleveland, it's definitely been with dads. Yo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, surely. It's like, it's definitely a bit of an older scene there. I think largely in Pittsburgh, because it's kind of tied to the universities, you know, we got a lot of colleges and whatnot. That's here. a good point, yeah. Um, and I don't think that's necessarily as ingrained in the Cleveland scene. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think less less houses in Cleveland, for sure. Um, but they've been, there's kind of this... Uh, promotions company, I guess, for lack of a better term, that kind of rose out of the DIY scene in Cleveland called Bravo Artist. And they have been since, like, teaming up with, I think in the past, like, year or two, just teaming up with, like, pretty much every local venue you could think of and basically just hosting tons of shows. And which is really, really cool. Um, It's also, like, it seems like there's... Not too, not exactly too many independently run shows in Cleveland as of late. Okay, um, which is just kind of an interesting thing to note for what it's worth. Yeah. Well, it seems like even right now in Pittsburgh, right now being November of 2016 for whoever listens to this in the future. I don't want to <laughs> like whatever I'm about to say. I don't want it to be like horribly inaccurate. Right. Just let you know it's November, 2016 listener. <laughs> uh, it doesn't, It see, I feel like we're like at kind of like a weird deficit of places to play in Pittsburgh right now, especially for like an all a, like an underage DIY band. Like where the fuck are you gonna play that isn't Roboto? Right, right now. Yeah, it's really tough uh, being a DIY band in Pennsylvania. Is, <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, just with all the liquor laws and the venue. Yeah, that's it. Is the thing is there's just fucking nowhere for anyone to play. Yeah, which it, makes sense why so many house shows sprung up. Certainly, or house venues, I should say. Well, I guess house. That yeah, was still an accurate same. sentence. Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's nowhere for younger kids to play. Yeah, it's totally. so weird. Which is why it's so upsetting to see house shows or house venues. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, constantly getting shut down because that's really what they are is an outlet for these younger bands to play. Because they really, yeah, I mean, outside of like the one or two DIY spaces that'll have shows, it's like, yeah, there's really not many options. Yeah. Which sucks. I really wish it wasn't the case. And the, the weird thing, too, about, like, a space like Roboto is it's really great for some things, but, you know, I have friends that don't like going to Roboto because they can't drink there. Right. Like, flat out. Yeah. And, you know, I'm the, I, it's like, if I'm at a show, I like to have a beer. Yeah, I'm not certainly. saying I want to get fucking, like, tanked. But I'm also not saying that I disagree with the politics of what Roboto is doing. I get it. Yeah. I just wish there was, like, some sort of a DIY space that was like all ages, but if you are of age, you could open a beer. Right. We don't even have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's there's like just something no... as simple as that. It just where? Yeah. Where can you do that? The shop, maybe? Yeah. I don't even understand the legislation of the shop. <laughs> yeah, that place <laughs> is like uh, it's incredible, it's but I completely ju- lawless, which yeah. is great. <laughs> but it's also, I mean, you kind of like, you know. 
the sound's not always like the best there, but if it's a rock band playing, it doesn't fucking make a difference. Right. I went to some like it was like an industrial kind of like dark wavy yeah. show there, which like we need we need a good PA for this. Is yeah. basically the type of show it was. Yeah. And yeah, it just it sounded kind of like Yeah. It's just yeah, there was no oomph. Yeah. But the place is it's a really cool space. Yeah. It's in a great location. It's in the middle of fucking everything. Certainly. But yeah, I don't I don't know how anything's run there. Yeah, I I'm amazed <laughs> that it's managed to operate somehow as, you know, in all ages, but BYOB. So there is the shop. Yeah, for yeah, then, for what it's worth. Then what? That's about it. There was <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I mean, what, are there other DIY spaces? There's Roboto and the shop. Do we have? There's. I yeah, can't. We think, got. I can't think of anything no. that's like. I mean, there's City Grows. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got City Grows. But that's also. I mean, that's understandably. Yeah. Like totally. Not like that is a business. Yeah, it is a business. So. <laughs> Fair enough. All yeah. right. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, I certainly. Then, I, but that's even still like, that's like. City Grows is almost like a house venue that got that gets away with it because it's also a business. Right. You know, it's like not like a like that blurs a line. City Grows blurs a line. Yeah. Uh but again, it's still not like I just want like a space where like its purpose is like for shows and you go and you hang out and it's just chill. Yeah, totally. And we don't have it, but I don't know what the fuck work. Where can you do it? Yeah, because it's like it's not gonna happen. Like no one's really got the money to. Yeah, I mean, just uh, you know, outright like rent a storefront mm-hmm. and be like, this is what it's gonna. Yeah, be used Orm- for. Ormsby going down was kind of like, yeah, a really, really, really uh, sad thing because that was the spot. Yeah, like certainly. that was what the cool thing about Ormsby was. That was the type of place that people would go on the weekends because they knew there was a show. You know? Who's playing? I don't know. Well, this is just what we do. You know, we're going to go hang out at Ormsby. And n- there's nothing like that now. Yeah. Done. Dunzo. Kaput. Yeah, totally. And the cool thing about that space, too, is that, you know, like, you would have bigger shows that came through there. And it could, like, facilitate it. Yeah, totally. It was a big space. And then, you know, like, but it also wasn't so big to a point that if it was like a little, like, just local show with like, you know, 30 or 40 kids, it was still like appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I would love for a place like, yeah, like similar to Ormsby to come up and be able to, yeah, just be like an all ages show space. It'd be, it'd be awesome In in like a place that's a little more, like central, like for whatever reason, it's tough to get people out to Roboto. Not everyone wants to go out there. And I don't, I don't think Roboto's issue is its location. Yeah. I think that it's really like, again, like I just know people that aren't into the politics of Roboto. Right. And they're, I mean, I was like, okay, you know, if yeah. that's, if that's going to keep you from going out, that's fine. But that's just, what I hear, especially because, like, think about this. You know, it's like I play in a death metal band. I play in a heavy metal band. Heavy metal shows. Dudes like to hang out and open up beers and chill. That's right. just what we do. That's what metal shows are. Yeah. I'm not trying to stereotype it. That's just what it fucking is. 
you know, Roboto is just not a good space for us. Yeah, And that's certainly. fine. And then on the flip, I play in a hip-hop band. I play rap shows. And it's like, again, like that kind of just like environment is not built for like a hip-hop community, really? Yeah. Like you could do a rap show there and it'll work. But people that are going out to their shows also want to go out and like have a drink or whatever. And like, because I think the other pro the other side of this too is it's like, I'm a little bit older. The people that are like fans of my music or my friends are all older. So going out is like a rarer circumstance. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they have like, they have to like, if they're going out, they kind of want to make the most of it. Yeah. So it's like, they want to like go out and like, you know, have some drinks or, you know, go get something to eat, be able to like then watch some bands, like kind of like get like an all in one experience and really yeah. make the most of their night off. Yeah. And uh, I think for some people, Roboto just isn't it. Yeah. You know? it's, it's, it's like, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with playing a show at Roboto, going over to Spax, getting a sandwich and then, you know, drinking one to get home. Yeah. I mean, I can deal with that, but other people, it just, in my experience, it's like, oh, like, where, where are you playing? Anytime I have a show at Roboto, they're like, uh, yeah. well, when's it, the next one? It, it's like somehow the all-inclusiveness of the space ends up resulting in exclusion. Yeah, for but, I mean, but for certain demographics. Because the other right. thing, too, is kind of going back to what like we're saying about young kids having an outlet to play. We have other places to play. Yeah, You know what I mean? We can play... 21 plus shows at Howlers or at the Smiling Moose or wherever else is going to like host a heavy metal band and it's fine. But we want to play some all we want to play some all ages shows too. And it sucks cuz really the only opportunities that we ever get to play all ages shows are like bigger ticketed shows yeah. where you know you're paying 15 20 bucks to come see us open up for you know Hot Topic band A <laughs> Or whoever the fuck it is. Yeah, certainly. Uh, that's just weird. I think that that's kind of like a weird side effect just with the demographic of music that I'm in. Yeah. Yeah, it's something I've I've certainly noticed too. It's like not everyone who you invite out to a show wants to deal with the... Uh, I don't know, or just like uh, open themselves up to the vibe of the you know, DIY safe space or the all ages show space, whatever it'd be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, you know, not ever, not a casual, not every casual show goer wants to, you know, deal with that. Or, or like the people that you get to come out to a show or like someone's like, that doesn't really go to shows at all. You know, yeah, like, like a yeah. random person that like you work with or like a friend of a friend or like, you know, yeah, that's more of fucking it. significant others, cousin or some shit that wants to come see you. And then like the, you finally get them out to a show, you know, and they, they're thinking that they're going to stage AE and then they show up <laughs> at fucking Roboto. Yeah. You know? They're and like, it just, what? It, it just looks like, like, what is this? Yeah. You know, I've been in that situation so many times, <laughs> like touring around the country or something and you like have a family friend in some city and <laughs> and my mom's like oh you gotta let them know you gotta let them know to come out you'll be like oh. and i'm like mom you like 
It's a whole thing. We're playing at a barbecue place. Yeah, we're like, we're playing in this basement. We're like, <laughs> it's just not the vibe. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So it's something I experienced too, you know. Now, do you, as a performer, and uh, kind of like, what part of this do you like the most? Do you like playing on a stage in like a bigger venue or do you prefer the kind of basement, no stage in, in my face kind of environment? I mean, at this point I've certainly seen the merits of both. It's, I mean, there's nothing quite like playing a sweaty house show and with that in a basement that's just packed to the brim with people and you know, people are just like screaming and, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like that. That's just an energy that's absolutely, you know, yeah, just incredibly unique. But on the flip side, you know, playing a stage where you've got monitors and a nice sound system and, you know, at, like, a venue where you, like, get taken care of or something, you get, like, drink tickets or meal tickets or something, and, like, yeah, I mean, that's incredible, too. It gives you that feeling, like, oh, man, like, I'm actually, I'm really doing something here. And that's a really cool feeling. And, you know, like having monitors and a sound system, like you really know that you sound good and you can really make sure that you do. And that's a really wonderful thing, too, that you don't often get in house shows. And Yeah. So, I mean, certainly merits of both. I mean, it's tough to say one or the other, which is better. I always think about, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Because um, I... I kind of, you know, sometimes you hear some people arguing about uh, DIY spaces and how uh, they aren't, like, I don't want to say that they're not good enough, but that they're just not, like, good spaces for shows. And I was trying to think of, like, who, like, who would say something like that? Like, why, what mindset would you have to be in to not be happy to play at a place like Roboto? And then I started thinking, I was like, well, like, what if, you know, you're a band that wants to be, like, Avenged Sevenfold? Or, uh, you know, like, the aesthetic of your band could be one that really caters to, like, a bigger rock show. And, the, the, and like, if you were to play in, without the stage, in the lights, like, it would just look completely ridiculous to a point, you know? You almost kind of need that extra, I don't know that extra presentation to really set your uh, image as a band off. Yeah. I mean, you don't really strike me as <laughs> someone who has ever been like super concerned with like the image of your band. But I mean, that's a thing that some people are really like, yeah. focus on, I guess. It's some people really pay attention to. I mean, I haven't told you about the suit requirement for all of the bands I'm in where we have to dress up for all of our shows and... No, it's just not true. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna be like, "Oh, what band?" <laughs> no, sometimes, sometimes my brother, I'll like it'll like we'll be out playing shows with Meridian, and he'll be like, "Are oh, you gonna wear shorts on stage?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, I'm gonna wear shorts on stage. It's the middle of July." <laughs> like, but he's like, "No, nah, man, you can never gotta wear pants." I'm like, "No, nah, man." I've always been more so just about the comfort and being yourself more than trying to present yourself in such a way yeah i think i find myself in between the two yeah i uh i've definitely seen some bands play 
And I'm like, what, uh, what is that guy over there playing bass wearing? <laughs> yeah. But, like, I just sit and think about it in my head. And it's like, well, you know, who, who the fuck cares? You know, yeah. like, they're, they're, they're doing their thing. It's not my business. Yes, but certainly. it's still in my thoughts, you know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking it. So... <laughs> Who knows what everybody else is thinking? Right. And who knows what other, how other people are going to let those thoughts uh, determine what they ultimately think of your band. Yeah. You know, uh, trying to put yourself into the mindset of the casual person that is at your show or just hearing your song at a friend's house or coming across it online, blah, blah. You know, like, do you ever think about try to put yourself into the position of the normal person? Yeah, certainly. And that certainly dissuaded me from, you know, wearing, you know, insanely outlandish <laughs> clothing or, you know, looking, like, too raggedy and whatnot. So I'm with you. I think, like, yeah, within reason. Do you ever think about that whenever you are composing music? In what way? Like, like, um, like, say you're writing a song, yeah. and like you got a part, you know, that maybe you think is pretty cool, but you're not necessarily sure, like, how it might work for the benefit of the entire piece, or like how the song is gonna like cater to whatever sort of demographic, like your target audience. Do you think about things like that when you're writing, or you just kind of like write and like you're not worried about, uh the fans or, <laughs> you know, who you're going to try to market the music to, for lack of a better word. I think, yeah, that certainly crosses my mind and, you know, the people that I'm in uh, bands with, you know, that, yeah, that's certainly something that we encounter in the writing process. I think more often than not, my decision is to try and, um, yeah, really just try and do something new. So if I encounter something like that where I think, ah, this might kind of put our listener out of the out of the comfort zone or something. It's yeah. Like, I think for the most part it's a good thing because I think it's kind of a sign that we're growing as musicians and pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones and really doing something new. Yeah. Yeah. The one, one band that I can think of right now just off the top of my head that – you, I might be able to have this conversation with you because you're probably familiar. Mm -hmm. But uh, Balance and Composure. Oh, yeah. As far as, like, have you listened to their newest album? No, I haven't, actually. Okay. Have you heard any of the stuff off of it? <sighs> yeah. When did it come out? Uh, a, a couple months ago, maybe. Oh, yeah. well, uh, I'm honestly not familiar. Yeah, they definitely are... They They... I don't know what... They were definitely, like... Let's push a lot of our listeners like to the edge. Like I feel yeah. like it it still sounds inherently like them. They have a sound that's very much like, okay, we listen to a lot of brand new or whatever, but we have our own little thing going on. Uh and it still sounds like them, but there's like a lot more kind of like electronics and like some kind of like synth patty work on top of the other stuff that they're doing. It's a lot more mellow and relaxed. Um, but yeah, again, it's just like, I think it's just them growing. I know yeah, a lot totally. of people that are fans of that band or were fans of that band that weren't really too jazzed on the new stuff. Yeah. And I think for me, kind of just being an outsider, someone who I've just, I casually enjoy them, just like 
I hear it. Like, okay, you know, they don't upset me. Yeah. Uh, just being on the outside, hearing the new album again, and just thinking as a musician, like, oh, like I totally get what they're doing. They're probably bored right. with doing the same stuff all the time, or maybe they're trying to expand their demographic. Maybe they right. want to get out of like the like making music for the 14 to 21 year old range yeah. type of, I mean, there's a lot of money in that, that pocket, right? you know, but talk, yeah, the, talk to 21 pilots about that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's certainly something. Yeah. As a musician, I've really come to respect or just really have a deeper understanding of when bands make a change in either their songwriting or yeah, just, you know, their structure the parts that they use it's yeah well what <laughs> the, i didn't mean to cut you off no, but it's i was just thinking about uh, another one that you might be familiar with who had a an interesting uh arc of changes throughout their career <laughs> would be the smashing pumpkins oh yes certainly <laughs> i know them well yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely and yeah so i just like I was just saying, my mind really has been opened up uh, to when bands are pushing themselves out of their, you know, sonic comfort zone, um, being more okay with that and really just being more open to the ideas that they come up with. Like the other day I was actually doing that with the Smashing Pumpkins. I was sitting down, I was like, you know, listening to, you know, my, you know, I was listening through some of Siamese Dream and then I started watching live videos and I saw they were playing like these alternate versions of some of the songs I knew. And then I was like, Oh, that was from this era. So I listened to one of their records Adore, And then I found myself listening to the next record and following. Then I was listening to like their most recent release Oceania. Yeah. Or maybe they have another one. I don't know. I and, feel, I don't know. Uh, I kind of, I fell off the, the train with keeping up with them. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've found myself listening to all of their releases and really like appreciating different elements of them, you know, certainly knowing that, I mean, I don't like this. I don't necessarily like this record as much as Siamese dream, but certainly, certainly, you know, appreciating certain parts and realizing that, you know, like, wow, this still rips just in a little bit of a different way. You know, Uh huh. you ever listen to an album, like say when it comes out, uh, and it's just like, uh, like I, I don't like this, you know? And then it just kind of disappears. And then it somehow enters your life like two or three years later. And you're like, this is fantastic. What the fuck was I thinking? Yeah. Totally. Has that ever happened to you? With yeah. Anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think in the, I mean, yeah, recently. So I've been listening to a bunch of, uh, bomb the music industry. Okay. And, um, I remember, so I liked like a couple of their records when they came out, but I remember hearing this one, they put out a record called Vacation and I just yeah. didn't, didn't really care about it at all. Um, but then really in the past like couple months, I've just been listening to so much Vacation and I've just <laughs> been like, oh my God, this record's so good. How did I ever, how did I ever think otherwise? I wonder what that is, you know, I think that maybe it's just a, wrong time wrong place kind yeah. of thing you know like I, I think it's certainly part of it like at least for with me and bomb the music industry i always really strongly identified with the lyrical content and the records that i had really liked like 
probably my favorite record by them is Scrambles. And it just like the lyrics really helped me through a time in my life. So I think probably, but when the time I heard Vacation, I was just like, I don't really know what he's talking about here. But here, then a couple years later, yeah, you're like, like, I totally get this. Yeah, fully. <laughs> there's a um, there's a song on an old Mindless Self Indulgence album called "Keeping Up with the Kids," and it's a song that I've been familiar with for a large chunk of my adult life. But I hadn't heard it in a very, very long time. And I liked it as a teenager, just like this catchy little weird electronic song. But it's basically just about like growing old in the music scene and just how like too old to keep up with trends and things like that. And when I was younger, you know, just they, they were words. Yeah. And then I heard it again. Like, you know, I listened to it again more, more recently. And I was like, oh my God, this is like genius i yeah. totally get this now hit the nail on the head with that one yeah so weird yeah absolutely now do you do any lyric writing for any of your stuff no i'll, nah, I'll, I'll be a thing i i prefer to uh prefer my to call myself a lyrical consult <laughs> <laughs> okay I'll, I'll put in my two cents here and there but for the most part i've really never been too good with words um I write stuff for, I I have solo songs that I write very occasionally. I'll get struck with the, you know, with the, do you, just, I'll do just you, get on a creative kick and want to work on that. Do you do anything with your solo stuff? No, I don't. I've got, I have like a couple songs written that I just, you know, I just feel like they're not there. I feel like what I just kinda, need to keep writing. What kind of stuff is it? Is it like a, like acoustic singery songwriting stuff or are you... It's it or, certainly started that way. Like okay. Started, are you like doing like full band compositions? Yeah. So it it certainly hasn't graduated to, too much into the full band realm. Though I think that if I ever were to, I would certainly want to have elements of that. Sure. I think it largely it it like takes away from all of the projects I'm in. Like, um. I don't know, guitars with weird effects, but also rocking out. I don't know, but... Uh, something to, like, basically, like... Do you yeah, have any intention can... of, like, releasing it? Or is it just kind of, like, a personal, just to kind of, like, keep your brain going and just kind of, like, exercise, practice kind of stuff? Yeah, it, it's kind of stuff like that. I think I, I would really like to do something with it at some point. But it's the kind of thing where it really just gets the back burner for compared to all the sure. other projects I'm in. Because it's hard, like working on stuff myself, it's like I get really discouraged easily, especially with lyric writing. Um, just like I'll just like write, I'll write some words down and then I'll look at it later and just be like, what does this mean? Like, I can't imagine <laughs> anybody caring about this. Like, why did I do this? And it's so it's tough, and I think that's a big reason why it gets the back burner because I'm I am really really critical on myself, and it's yeah I just want something if I want if I'm gonna have something that people can hear that's me and that's supposed to be me yeah, and big, just me distilled into a musical. It's a form. big responsibility. Yeah, it's hard, and I just I really want it to be good. So I'm hoping, you know, I'm hoping stuff like you know I'll get to a point where I, you know, am 
satisfied with the stuff that I write. I hope you do too. Not quite there yet. Thank I you. I appreciate it. I hope it. you do. I hope you do. <laughs> the um so right now, currently, November 2016. Yes. What is like the main number one focus? What's the thing you're trying to push the most? Get out there. I know, I mean, the same album was recent. Yeah. Right? That just, that came out a few months ago at yeah. this point. Yeah, the same record came out the beginning of September. Okay. And uh yeah, we did a tour on that. And since then, um just been priority has kind of been on that band right now. Um with Meridian, my brother uh has been doing a whole like release cycle and touring with Signals Midwest. So he's been pretty busy. So I've been doing a lot of writing with same. Um Otis Wolves recently had been practicing for this Smashing Pumpkins cover set. Yes. And we put a lot of work and good job, by the way. Thank you. That was Um, very fun. So that was our main focus for a while, but now we're, you know, uh, back to practicing and writing new stuff. But yeah, mainly it's been jamming a lot with Same. Um, We've got like, I'd probably say like a little over half of full length written. And we don't know what type of release we're going to do yet. Like, if we want to do an EP or a full length, you know, and we're just kind of trying to shop our stuff around right now and write as much material as possible and in hopes that, uh, yeah, we're just hoping kind of to get a bunch of material and then hoping the right decisions will probably present themselves (laughs) (laughs) based on the songs we have. In, like, 2016. In November November 2016. 2016. (laughs) Uh, how does a rock band shop themselves around? Like, what are you doing? Are you right. just sending emails to people? Are you like talking to people that know people? Blind sending, emails. Just sending band camp <laughs> links. Like, how does it, how is that pretty much just what you're doing? Just like, hey, check this out. Check this out. Yeah. Check this out. It's a lot of networking, really. I mean, I like, and I've got friends in, um, you know, in like tons of bands who work with tons of different labels, like, yeah, really just like showing it to as many people as I can, whether they be friends or, you know, shooting emails to record labels or websites or, yeah, just really trying to, you know, hand it to as many people as sure. possible and give it to people's ears. Do you ever try to like submit stuff for reviews? Yeah. How How is that working for you? You know... <laughs> You know, I mean, if you can't tell the bitterness in my voice when I ask that yeah. question, it is a fucking yeah, it sucks. It's like such a waste <laughs> of time. It right. feels, but you know, occasionally you get bites, and then you know you get a record review, and it's cool. But it, yeah, it's like you know, you send twenty emails, you get one one back. Do you find yourself happens. getting more coverage that you don't ask for than what you do? Ooh. I'm feel- certainly surprised at the coverage that I get without, you know, searching for it uh-huh. deliberately. That being said, I don't think it's, I think just waiting or assuming that that's going to happen you- doesn't work either. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it's tough, but yeah, I am always surprised by the amount of coverage that just kind of happens naturally. <sighs> Whether it's more, probably not. At least that's what I tell myself. (laughs) (laughs) 
And uh, yeah, so I mean, it seems like it. You know, you know, you have anything to any anything you want to push outside of the bands? Any gigs coming up? Anything important and cool and big? Oh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, I've got some cool gigs coming up. Um, let's see. At the end of this month, Meridian is playing in Cleveland with uh, Slaughter Beach Dog, which is a modern baseball side project. Okay. And one of my really good friends, Abby Reimold, is touring with them. I can't recommend checking out enough. She's really, really incredible. Um, got at the beginning of December, same as playing with uh, Pope, which are a really awesome band uh, from the South. They've got some members of Donovan Wolfington who are a really neat band. And, uh, and All then these on the people in fucking ten and, bands, I'm yeah, telling see, you, it's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and then on the twelfth, Sam's playing with uh, Citizen at the Rex Theater. Which oh, I, which big I think gig! Be, yeah, big gig. So that should be cool. I'm really excited to play the Rex. Um, yeah, and I saw a show there once, and I really like the room. Yeah, so. We just played the Rex last night. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. How'd it go? It, it was all right. Yeah, it was all right. There was. Uh, like this fucking random sound guy from the Rex is going to be listening to this. There's some there's some sound guy there who from understanding of other people that I know who work at the Rex is newer and still kind of learning the room. Mm. And yeah, it just didn't sound very very good. Mm. Kind of like when you were talking earlier about playing on a big stage and having monitors and you know, it's sounding really, really good. Yeah. I'm just like gritting my teeth thinking about last right. night, like uh, how fucking awful the monitor mix <laughs> was. But I mean, we played at the Rex back in August, I think, too, or maybe mm. it was September. And the mix then was great. Like yeah. it was awesome, but it was just someone different working the board. So yeah. I hope you have a, hey, me too. A, an <laughs> awesome sound tech. There, there are two sound techs there that are great. And mm. this one guy who was newer who was nice enough yeah but definitely was still figuring out some yeah. things and it's strange yeah it, it yeah it does largely depend on the sound guy you've got too well that'll probably be like a good crowd for you guys yeah too. i think so i think it should go over pretty well and we're playing with yours too okay that, and that's that'll be awesome um oh yeah and we're also another same gig playing this weekend at PLMS, which oh, nice. I'm pretty excited about. We definitely won't be up by this weekend. But <laughs> oh hey, well, I hope I hope the show went well. Oh yeah, thank you, appreciate it. <laughs> we could just talk yeah. talk in the sense that yeah, the show was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. I fucking killed it. And then Otis Wolves have a gig with Homeless Gospel Choir and Koji and Lawn Care on. Nice. Yeah, very excited for that one. I think that's December 9th at Roboto. Cool. Yeah, and that should be really fun. I'm excited for that one. Yeah, Odie's and Sam have a bunch of new material, so we'll be playing that. For all of you listening, yeah, if you want to hear it, come to a gig. There are plenty. And bring your friends. Yeah, bring your friends. Tell your friends to bring their friends. It'll be one big friend party. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it. Yeah, cool. That's all I got. Thanks for having me on, Brian. Of course. Jake <laughs> and... Let me see. We are good. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. Jake is awesome. 
His bands are awesome, and if you aren't familiar with them, go check them out. Go to a gig. Get involved in the scene. Blah, blah, blah. Check out Jake's band. Or I should say Jake's bands. Yes. Okay. I'll be back again next week with another new episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.